0: Welcome to another episode of Getting Off the Hamster Wheel, how to find a career that brings you joy, fulfillment, and success. My name is Karen Weeks, and today we have Julie Kratz joining us to share her story about leaving corporate America to start a training and consulting company focused on diversity and inclusion, and what she learned about herself and her purpose as she started this new journey. So let's jump in and hear Julie's story. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here with Julie today to discuss about her unique career path and how she found her way to find her passion and things that really excite her in her job. So welcome, Julie. I would love to give you the chance to sort of introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, thanks for having me. This is good to be with you. I uh, So I am an inclusive leadership trainer and speaker now in my own business, Next Pivot Point. But before I started all that, I had my own corporate America journey. I spent 12 years in corporate America. I like to say I served my time. <laughs> I did all the things you're supposed to do climbed the corporate ladder, so to speak. But, you know, it it did the manager roles, did the development exercises, you know, moved around the country, all that (laughs) stuff that corporate wants you to do. And just honestly at the end of it, I just didn't feel fulfilled. I Mm -hmm. felt like I was doing what everybody else wanted me to do, but not really what I wanted to do. And so that's when I started my own business. And you know, timing's never right. I will say <laughs> I work with a lot of women now that are like, I wanna do this, but it's not the right time. It's yeah. never gonna be the right time. Um, I had a one year old at the time, head winner for my family. So it was not. Wow. Ideal. But, you know, the, the serendipity of the universe kind of signaled that it was the right time and I had the mm-hmm. right opportunities. And um, I started doing leadership training, facilitation all over the country with women and today now have really folded that work into overall diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. because i've really learned about the power of allyship being there for people that are different than you whether that's gender or race or other dimensions of diversity so that's what i do now um it's been a journey um but i really do find such great purpose in my yeah. work i think this year's been a roller coaster ride was I like, bet. Really relevant, not relevant <laughs> at all because everyone was focused on COVID and now super relevant. Again. So <laughs> It's a bit of a knee jerk reaction I've been going through, uh, but it's, um, I wouldn't do anything else. I mean, yeah. even at the darkest times, you just think this is the work I'm meant to do. I got to yeah. stay with it, even if it's hard, especially when it's hard. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's interesting you mentioned about timing because first of all, I feel like 2020 has taught us you never know what is going to happen tomorrow. So who knows what timing even means these days. Um, But I do also think that there's a true relief when you find something that really empowers your soul. And, you know, taking aside the privilege of you know, I can afford to do something like this or, you know, taking that to the side, because I know some people really need to be very thoughtful about those things. But, you know, if you are a happier person, that probably makes you a happier person at home. And, you know, those things really trickle into your life. And so, assuming you've got the the support network to do it, timing is maybe maybe not relative because if it makes you a better person from a happiness standpoint and a more fulfilled standpoint, it actually is the right time because that impacts so many other places in your life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think people focus too much on what they've already done. Yeah. You know, I haven't done that before. Well, of course you haven't. You never did the thing you're doing now before at one point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, And you can't put a price on happiness. Now, yeah. of course, we don't want to just volunteer all of our time and not have any income. <laughs> But I do find if you dial into your purpose, you can monetize it. And yes. there's people that can help you monetize it. There, what I love about the COVID world, online learning. Yes. I and mean, I, I personally am doing a lot of facilitation of online learning, but I'm also consuming online mm-hmm. learning in a way that I haven't before because I didn't have the time or didn't yeah. think I did. And there's some really cool people out there teaching you stuff that Are skills that are helpful for me to market my business to Mm -hmm. uh, monetize, further monetize um, the gifts that I have. So you can always find that, but you're right. Dialing into what, what drives you? Like what makes you happy? What's happening on the very best days you have? there's something going on there, especially if you don't get to do that stuff very often. Yes. How could you possibly be happy if you're not doing your happy stuff?
0: Yeah, exactly. And and that's actually a perfect segue into sort of going back a little bit to find out how you got to this happy place. So um, I always find it fascinating when I hear what people studied in college or those who went to college or trade school or whatever, um, because in theory, that's what we think we want to be when we grow up. And most of us have no clue. Um, But how did your journey start? You know, was it in school, or what did what
1: did you think you oh, wanted yeah. to be? Oh yeah, you know it's funny. <laughs> I have a six year old now, and they ask, they start asking that question so young. Oh no, it's on her little card, you know, when you take the picture for school, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, I'm struggling with asking her this <laughs> question. Do we really need to start this now? She wants to be an artist. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like, let's keep it open. Let's keep it loose, you know? (laughs) Um, But, you know, me, my, I was a kid that grew up in the 80s and 90s. And so that question was, I remember asked quite a Mm -hmm. bit. And I always did well in school, um, super achiever from an academic perspective. Um, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. And in high school, you don't really get access to business and, mm-hmm. you know, even deeper like lenses of what you would study in college. And so I was fortunate because I ended up taking, we had um a DECA program, which I know mm. those are available around the country. Um, in, in some regions are stronger than others, but in Ohio, DECA was like a big deal. So <laughs> um, you own business. And half the day of my senior year, I spent in our school store. Helping manage that yeah. and market and learn things. And we p- competed in the state competition that I, I got a chance to compete in and won, you know, first place in my my category, which was really a you know, confidence yeah. booster, especially for a young woman that I didn't always have the confidence that I have today. Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't have it as much then. So that was a real, a real big deal. the trophy and everything. <laughs> yeah. And um so to answer your question, I was like a business. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go study business. I'm gonna be a business person. And, you know, I actually did enjoy the classes, not accounting. That was very Mm. hard, very stressful in that quarter of my life. For me, it was statistics.
0: Like that (laughs) class killed me.
1: (laughs) Or the note sheet with all the formulas. Like, why is this helpful? (laughs) Like if I have to write all these little things so small that I can't even look at it. Oh, geez. But I do think back on those experiences and what it prepared me for. Got a great job out of college and worked at Caterpillar. And I remember my mom, I was raised by a single mom. And, you know, we just didn't have a lot growing up. We mm-hmm. weren't poor, but we just didn't have a lot. You know, you kind of got what you needed, but not what you wanted. Yeah. And I remember her saying, like, you've made it, Julie. You're in corporate America now. Um, the road's been paved by those feminists for, you know, equality. It's all good. <laughs> like, you're good. <laughs> and I think I've arrived, right? I moved. Yeah. Two states over, I'm by myself twenty one years old <laughs> in this development program, which is great. And I think this is it i've I've achieved the American dream and making way too much money for a twenty one <laughs> end you know so I spent two years in that training program, and I remember I mean one thing that i I talk about a lot in my talks is there's this moment I'll never forget. Uh, about six months in it took me a caterpillar to look at the org chart, to pull the org chart open on our little system. And I printed it out. And I remember putting it up because I wanted to know who the leaders were and mm-hmm. how they were I could learn from. And I looked at the org chart and they actually had the faces next to them. I was like, are these really all white men? Oh no. You know, like all of them, yeah. like 36 <laughs> white male faces. I, there was one man of color in Asia, which makes sense. Mm. And you're like, Huh. And one woman that happened to lead my division. So I hadn't seen it honestly, mm-hmm. until then. And I thought, huh, my mom said it was equal, but I'm getting a sense It's <laughs> not quite what she thought it was. <laughs> and this is early 2000s, which it ironically is still very common today. Yeah. It has not yeah. changed very much. But I, I think that was kind of the beginning of the end for me of corporate <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have the same opportunities as, by the way, all the other 10 guys in my leadership development Mm -hmm. program. Maybe I'm not meant to fit in here. Maybe I really don't belong. And then you got all these weird, subtle signals of not belonging on top of that from good intentioned people, but it was very unhelpful. And so, you know, the next three and a half years I lasted there was great experiences. But I have to say it was it was, it It definitely required a pivot. So I love education. So I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I want to go back to school. I'm going to get my MBA. That's going to change everything now. <laughs> and then I'll be successful. I'll be, you know, the American dream again, the, the corporate, um, that's, that's what everyone wants to do is corporate America. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that didn't work out again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and you're kind of like, you know, I think for listeners, you know, if you're in your middle part of your career, especially you spend anywhere from 10 to 20 to plus years in, in corporate America, like most people have, you kind of just, I think you hit this lull of yeah. just, oh, this is just the way it is. I, I need to pay the bills. I need to support my family. I've got so much going on at home, especially mm-hmm. now. How could I possibly, you know, be selfish and want more, change everything and look for yeah. things? But I gotta say, I mean, now is such an interesting time where talent has never been so accessible. Mm-hmm. You can work anywhere. I mean, 40% of jobs are done virtually. Like, this is yeah. amazing. So a- anyway, my own story <laughs> that I got here was through a series <laughs> of setbacks. Oh. But when you when you encounter an obstacle or kind of like a hmm, I'm not sure this is the right place for me, I think really dig deep on yeah. why that is. Like what's missing exactly and, and how can you find that elsewhere?
0: Well, and I think it's also interesting too because whether it's because it's remote or you live in an area that has a lot of different kinds of industries. Um, one thing that I've really talked to a lot of people about is you may be a product manager and you actually might love being a product manager and that's not what's off. It's the company or the industry that you're in. You know, being a product manager for a bank is very different than being a product manager for a startup or a nonprofit or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so whether that's because you don't feel like you're in, in in an inclusive environment or there's not, um, enough strong leadership around you or the culture isn't right, you may not have to totally start from scratch. It may just be the wrong industry or the wrong
1: environment for you. Mm -hmm. So true. So true. And I talk a lot about pivot points Mm -hmm. and at those pivot points, it could be an industry. It could be a functional area. Yeah. Just because you're not happy in one position doesn't mean you couldn't be happy elsewhere. So really dialing in on, again, what are the skills that are really unique to me? That I'm bringing to the table, mm-hmm. and and then, and then I layer on like the wills, like what are the passion areas mm. that also align with that skill set. So not only am I really good at project management, but I also love doing it. Yeah, I for one, I was good at it and hated it. <laughs> <So> <laughs> not where I want to focus my time, right? And ironically, was doing quite a bit of it for America. <laughs> so finding those sweet spots, yeah, where you're good and you enjoy doing it, and rather than just jumping, I think people just jump right to a job search and yeah. updating their resume and going through the mechanics of looking for jobs to apply for. Why not think about your ideal job description? Yes. I mean, there's so many available online. Pit, pull the pieces, the bullet points out that really resonate with who you are from a skill set and your your passion level and build your own and then look for jobs that look like that. And mm-hmm. you're right. They, it might surprise you how much It has to do with what you're doing now. It's just the culture isn't working for you where you are, for example.
0: And so I think what's really interesting about someone like yourself is that you, you know, even from your first job, you saw an opportunity to help companies have more diversity in their leadership team or more inclusiveness across the organization. And instead of saying, oh, well, maybe I'll kind of help my company with that, or oh, that's unfortunate. I want to find a company that's better than that. You've now turned it into a whole career for yourself. And you've said, no, I want to be a part of fixing it, leading it. You know, I wanted to help other companies get this right. Was that something that just spoke to you? Or as you went through that journey, did you realize, oh, I have a real passion for this more than just like helping my own company do it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think early on when I started my business, it was really, I had the right opportunity in front of me. Mm um, a, a client, I was in consulting, um, my last stint after business school and I had a client approach me and say, Hey, you know, we really love the work that you're doing for us. Could you come on as a contractor and help us with leadership development? Mm. I thought, hmm, never thought about doing that before. Can I try it? And they let me try it and I really enjoyed it. And I thought, okay, well, it's like, I guess I've never thought about starting a business before, but that's what I have to do to be a contractor mm-hmm. for you. So I had to kind of get it together, <laughs> and you know, I made a website and like yeah, all this stuff like that. Just I look back at like grimace, like, yeah, you just, it looked terrible. But that's what you do. You yeah. bootstrap. You know, you figure things out when you're first starting out. You just get really scrappy, and. To answer your question i mean i learned i've learned along these six years a lot about what i'm good at and what mm. i really enjoy doing early on it was it was really about helping women helping women manage their careers manage that pivot point be better leaders um, but what i realized as i was doing that talk you know it really wasn't women that had to fix the woman's problem <laughs> you know yes yes Like, why am I telling them, like, just be more confident? Just show up this way. Like, it doesn't work that way. And then, and then you'd hear what they were doing, and they were really doing everything they could and just not able to break through barriers. Yeah. And then I'd speak at all these women's conferences and be like, why are there no men here? No women of color either. Why is that just white women here? Yeah. Strange. Yes. So it's really, I, I think to answer your question is really listening and being observant and curious mm-hmm. as things evolve um, has really led me now to be like, okay, the problem I can solve. And, and this is really important. I think to think about your work and the problem you're solving for people and articulating it that way when mm-hmm. I have conversations I help organizations that despite their best efforts, their leadership team looks pretty male and pretty white. Yeah. And if that's you, which by the way, 92% organizations, (laughs) that's what it looks like. You're not alone. Yeah. But in order to change that, you've got to change your behavior. You've got to change your culture and I can help you with that. Right. And that's where the tools come in. So it's identifying problems, being really specific. Um, The message I love now about allyship couldn't be a better time. I couldn't have, couldn't, I I don't wish what happened happened, but I'm so thankful that people are awake, awoke to race relations and racism still existing and how to be an anti-racist is such an important conversation for white people right now. And I love talking to white people about that. It's so fun, (laughs) especially people that are combative. That makes it more (laughs) interesting, Um, which a lot of people are very defensive right now. I bet. Just pivoting, right? We always have to be pivoting. And if that's anything we've learned from this year, <laughs> just when you think like, okay, we've got the pandemic figured yeah. out, changes and it changes again. And then yes. just keep, keep your eyes open, um, be ready for the next problem to solve and think about how you could uniquely solve the problem yeah. that, that people are facing.
0: I think that's a great point because I think a lot of times people think about, oh, this is the thing I do versus this is the way I can help someone or help a company. And even if you aren't on your own, right, like going back to my project, my product manager example, you know, I'm a product manager who likes to think about the user experience or can help a company think about, you know, being more efficient or I don't know, whatever the thing is. But, you know, if you think about it that way, that helps guide where you're going to be the most successful. Um, And I also really like what you said about it's not going to be perfect right off the bat. Um, so again, even if you're you know not starting your own company and you want to become a teacher or a nurse or whatever, there's probably a bunch of little steps to take in order to get there as you learn more about it. And if you wait until you're ready to totally dive in head first, you probably missed something about the journey or you didn't know something. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe I actually didn't want to do that. So just starting to try it, things out and dipping your toes in the pool is a great way to learn about this place that you think you want to go.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and trial and error. You know, you might mm-hmm. think you want to do this, and then you get in and you realize it's totally different. <laughs> Much like my you know, six month moment, like, oh, I don't know if this is a place for me. That's okay. Yeah. Um, what I love about today's corporate work environment is people don't stay places for thirty years anymore. Yeah. There's really no incentive to do so, and I think we used to look at millennials as, you know, entitled and, and inconsistent. And it, what the data shows is Gen Z is is even going to be more so mm-hmm. value oriented. They want to work for organizations that they feel valued and important. Yes. And as organizations, that, that really does require, a, a, you know, adding a whole different value proposition to your employees than a pension and a Rolex or whatever used to throw <laughs> people to keep them there 30 years. And that was something that was totally amazing to me when I first started at Caterpillar. I remember all these retirement parties with these cakes <laughs> and these people, they're like, I've worked here 40 some years. Like, what? <laughs> Why? Didn't you want to do other things with your life? <laughs> And now that's really not that common. I mean, you do, I do have some clients that have highly tenured employees and you're lucky. I I think there's a lot of skill uh, Mm -hmm. level tied up in those folks and probably have less need for skilled training. But Mm -hmm. what are you missing out on too by having especially diverse talent, talent that's had other experiences that they can bring to the table. So there's so much, I think, in the transferable skill set too that people need to really look at versus you've done this job for 20 years, therefore you're the expert. Yeah what are the transferable things, skill sets that you have from that job that could also transfer to this job and really help you?
0: Yeah. And it's really interesting because you're right, especially, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, the whole jumpiness of millennials and all that stuff was such a stigma. When in fact, yes, there are some people that are just always looking for the greener grass and like whatever, that's a different issue, but you know, they're just, looking for a place that fulfills them and makes them happy and a job that works for them. And maybe something in their life has changed. And so they're looking for something that better fits that. And how horrible is that? How dare we like
1: say, no, don't do that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) More for them. They want a career Uh, (laughs) when I like going to work. I mean, what's interesting, and I'd be so interested to see what Gallup digs up this year with employee engagement, but 35% Mm -hmm. of people are engaged at work. 35. Oh, that's it. Yeah. And that's, that means two thirds of people are just going to work for a paycheck or grudgingly showing up at work. Like that's, we could do better than that. Yes. Yes. And what millennials Gen Z is saying, like, I demand that. I will not go to work at a miserable place and stay there. And so corporate America has a lot of work to do. And I I think we also have to, as individual contributors, as, as the workforce, Also think, you know, how are we bringing unique value to the workplace too? Because it's also really competitive on that front with unemployment numbers lower. So how do you, or higher rather, how do you, what is your unique value proposition? What are your differentiators? What are the things that you can really emphasize that makes you different than other people? Um, Because that's where you're going to get this really nice match. Yeah and it's interesting because i have seen, you know, cuz i
0: do a lot of interviewing for my company and it used to be the question of, well, tell me about your culture. And they didn't really know what they were asking. They just knew they were supposed to ask it. Now i'm seeing much more specific questions about how did you handle covid? How did you handle going from home? How have you handled the racial injustice that's happening? Tell me about your diversity mm-hmm. initiatives. So i think folks are now better understanding what quote unquote culture can look like and when it goes wrong or when they don't feel supportive, how that feels. And so now they actually know what they're
1: trying to get to when they were just asking the culture question before. That's so funny. I remember that was a big one when I was in business school that we were supposed to ask in the interview process, like, tell me about your culture. And we yeah. get these really weird answers I'm like, hmm, okay.
0: And yeah. then I
1: would even be like, tell me about a typical day. What happens? It still got kind of a canned answer. So, yeah, I, I don't think organizations can run from questions. How did you handle COVID specifically? Yeah. You know, how many people did you lay off if you did? Yeah. I mean, how did you handle work from home if mm-hmm. you did? And and I tell people, like, your actions this year will be remembered yeah. way beyond this year. And if your answer to racial injustice is we released a corporate statement or donated money, yikes. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. way more work that needs to be done than that, especially yeah. if you, you didn't take action and educate your employees and have a DEI strategy and plan. So yes. you're right. Yeah, it's um it's getting much more dialed in and more specific <laughs> in those conversations. Yes which is great because
0: I think it helps people who are trying to think about their career changes. It helps them hone in on the kinds of companies they want to be working with and what is important to them. And it'll help them better assess if that company or that industry is right for them. Um, So I know we're uh, getting close to our time here. So you've sprinkled a lot of advice in along the way, but is there any sort of one thing or your biggest learning that you want to make people make sure people walk away with as they think about maybe making their own career change
1: yeah i mean if you're thinking about a career change or at a pivot point like say <laughs> yeah. thinking about what's next um one exercise i do with my clients that i find to be really helpful that if listeners want to take me up on this it's a visualization exercise so if you've done visualization work before super helpful it's something i use all the time to reset um, my vision for the future, but just kind of close your eyes, you know, thirty seconds, a minute or so, and really just think about what do I want, mm-hmm. and and ask yourself that question like six different times. <laughs> what do I want financially? What do I want spiritually? What do I want for health? Uh, what do I want for my career? For my relationships? Personally, whatever aspects of your life matter the most, and just journal. Yeah. Put pen to paper on this and just spend some time unfiltered thinking about it. And, and I'll tell you, I mean, I think that exercise for me, especially the turbulent year we've had, yeah. resetting my vision about what do I really want? Why am I really doing this? And dialing in on that has always helped guide me yeah. my business. So I think, and that'll give you lots of clues. I, I think when I do that exercise with my clients, they're like, holy smokes, I saw you know, I saw myself do like owning my own restaurant or I saw myself doing this totally different job or me with my family <laughs> on the beach, whatever it is. You're like, Oh, how much do you get to do that? None. Oh, yeah. let's, we got some work to do. And then the beauty about having that vision is then you can set an, a plan in place mm-hmm. to map out how to get there. And I think that's why people don't do it. Cause like, I can never do that. I don't want to think yeah. about something I can't do. Well, okay. But yeah. Of course there's a gap. Wouldn't, you wouldn't want it if it wasn't true. <laughs> But let's build a plan. Let's yeah. set some goals. And and I did that. I went through my coaching certification when I started my business. And oh my gosh, has that exercise totally changed the game for me and how wow. I look at life and, and how much more we really are in control of our own destiny, which I think is scary for people that don't want to own that too. Yes. But own it You're and it happens. You manifest it and then all of a sudden it starts happening. You're like, whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> we could have done this all along.
0: That is amazing. I love that. And I think it's something that people can also do, you know, on their own, wherever they are in their journey, even if it's starting with something simple about, you know, what do you want just within your life, or what would bring you, you know, happiness or relaxation? Especially where there's so much noise right now in the world. Um, and then I love how you said ask that question a couple of different times with different pieces to it. So, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story as well as your as well as your advice. Um, I know real life examples are always helpful for folks. So, thank you so much for joining us and sharing.
1: Yeah, it was such a pleasure, Karen. Thanks for having me. Thank you again to
0: Julie for sharing her story on how she got unstuck in her career. I hope today's conversation helped inspire you. And if it did, please consider subscribing to this podcast, sharing it with others, and leaving a rating and review on the platform of your choice. You can also check out our Facebook group, Career Changers, to continue the conversation. And don't forget to check out my Teachable course. Until next time, remember, there's always a way to get off the hamster wheel.